Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. Vision obviously has something to do with sight. It has something to do with your ability to see. Now when it comes to vision in relationship to your relationship with God, it has something to do with how you see God moving for your future. And there is a proverb that really changed my life years ago. Before I became the leader of our church campus in Las Vegas, God gave me a word, and and this is the word he gave me in Proverbs 29, verse 18. He says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Another translation reads it, they run wild. In other words, when you don't see a clear picture of where God is leading you, then it is easy for you to live a wild life, to live an unrestrained life where your life is moving very quickly, but going nowhere. Have you ever been in those spaces? Your life is moving quickly, but you're like, I don't see any progress. I have no measurable way of seeing that I'm moving my life forward or advancing my life or making any progress whatsoever. It reminds me of kind of, we had this phenomenon growing up in the San Joaquin Valley. I I grew up in this town called Bakersfield. Have you heard of it? If you haven't heard of it, you've definitely smelled it when you've driven through it. Um, It just has a unique aroma uh, that comes from it. But there is a phenomenon that happens in the winter months. And if you've ever been driving down the grapevine, you could kind of see it. It's this, it's called Thule fog. And it's this moisture that kind of raises up from the ground and it just, the the atmosphere above it just sets this fog-like substance all over the valley floor. And from the top of the grapevine, it looks really beautiful. But when you're living in it, not so beautiful. Matter of fact, if you're driving in it, it's super dangerous. 
because I've been in Thule fog so thick that you can't see five feet in front of your car. I mean, it's that bad. And if you're driving in fog, I mean, you got to slow down. You got to be very careful because it's easy to get lost in the fog. And my wife has the classic story. If you haven't met Tara, she's in charge of Atmosphere Kids. She's next door taking care of your babies, uh, Melissa, and the rest of you guys. And, and Tara has the classic Bakersfield Thule fog story. 16 years old, she barely had her driver's license. Her and her friend are out on a Friday night doing what 16-year-old girls do. And they're cruising around town. And Tara went to drop her friend off at her house. And they're driving, and, and Tara doesn't really see because of the fog where she needs to turn. Her friend doesn't see where she needs to turn. And they're just driving, thinking, you know, that it's, it's up a little ways, and they're still talking. And, and pretty soon, Tara looks over at her friend and says, shouldn't we have turned by now to your house? And her friend said, I think so. And so they realize at that moment they're lost. There's, there's no cell phones. There's no navigation systems, right? This is old school. You know, the maps were still foldable. You know those, those times. So they pull over and they get out of their car to try to figure out where they're at. And they pull over right next to a sign that says, Welcome to Taft, California. Now, now... Taft is like 30 minutes outside of Bakersfield, 40 minutes outside of Bakersfield in the middle of nowhere, all right? It's in the middle of nowhere. And so Tara and her friend, they just begin bawling. They're crying. There's no cell. They had to go and knock on some door and they're like, we're lost. And I, it's, it's just a classic story of the Thule fog. And I, I prepared my wife. I said, people might talk about this when they're picking up their kids. So she goes, I know, I know. She goes, in my defense, it was so foggy. I go, I get it. And, and it really goes with this idea that the Bible is telling us this morning, that, that when, when things get foggy in your life and, and you don't have a, a clear idea of where you're going, it's so easy to get lost. And I've met so many people in life that they're in this fog and they don't know where they're going. And it could be the most discouraging moment of your life when you realize you don't know where you're going, where your life is headed. And it's just all foggy. Matter of fact, one author, Bob Logan, he said it this way. He said, vision is the capacity to create a compelling picture of the desired state of affairs that inspires people to respond. That which is desirable, that which could be, should be, that which is attainable. A godly vision is right for the times, right for the church, and right for the people. A godly vision promotes faith rather than fear. A godly vision motivates people to action. A godly vision requires risk-taking. A godly vision glorifies God and not people. Just for a moment, I want you just to close your eyes with me right now, all right? I want you to imagine what your life would look like if there were no obstacles standing in the way from God having all of you. Like imagine like that you're completely surrendered to God, nothing standing in the way. Just to, I, I want you just to envision what your life would look like five years from now. If there was nothing standing in the way from God having all of you, imagine what you would be doing five years from now. Imagine possibly where you would be living five years from now. 
Imagine who you would be hanging with five years from now. See, you can open your eyes again. And I I just, when you start thinking that way, it, it has the capacity to help you move toward your reality becoming that picture. But if, if you've never stopped and thought about it, like, okay, where am I at and where am I going? These are really important questions that you need to ask yourself because once you start getting a, an idea of where God is taking your life, it becomes that much easier to get there. One author put it this way, you have to see it before you can be it. I like that. You have to see it before you can be it. Now, Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom of heaven. He, he talked a lot saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven looks like this. And, and you are to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. He, he created these pictures. In other words, he's saying, this is the goal. This is what you should be striving for in your life. Moving your life towards kingdom living. And as you get a bigger, clearer picture of what the kingdom looks like, it's going to be easier to move your life the way it is now towards the way God ultimately wants it to look. So I want to break down for you the vision I believe that God has given us as a church this morning as we get ready to step into our second season. As Jennifer said, next Sunday, we turn one years old, technically. We have our birthday next week. It's our one-year birthday. And let me tell you, we're going to party, all right? So I don't know if you've been to a church that parties before, but we're going to party, all right? Um, We're going to have free ice cream after each of our gatherings because nothing says Jesus loves you more than an ice-cold ice cream cone, all right? And we're going to have an ice cream truck out there. We're going to have a DJ. It's just going to be a party. Why? Because we want to celebrate the amazing ways that God has already moved in our new church family. We've had over 100 people make next step decisions to follow Jesus. We have seen people physically and spiritually healed. I mean, we've seen families get restored. So God is on the move with our new church. But before we talk about What's going to happen next week? I just felt like this is a great Sunday. Matter of fact, as a pastor, I want us to take a Sunday every year and talk about nothing but vision. Because even if you have a clarity of what the vision is today, sometimes life can get busy and you could forget what the vision is. So it's, it's good, it's healthy to revisit the vision. And so for us as a church family, it's good for us to revisit the vision. And this isn't just applied to us as a church collectively, but this should also apply to you personally. So as I'm reading this, I I want you to put it in context with your life, with the space that you're living in today, and and see how God might use this to reignite a vision maybe he's given you in the past, or perhaps today's going to be the first time you start getting a clear picture That God loves you the way you are, but he is going to refuse to leave you in that state. Come on, somebody. He loves you, but he wants to change you. And so how do you change? You start getting a clear picture of what God is up to. Okay, so I I want you to read with me here. We're going to put the verses up on the screen. But the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church at Ephesus. And he's, he's instructing them. He's encouraging them. He's exhorting them. 
But I love what he does here. He, he actually records his prayer. He, he's saying, I'm praying for you guys. And how many of you have had somebody tell you, I'm praying for you, but never told you what exactly they're praying for you for? And, and so what Paul is doing here is he's saying, I'm praying for you specifically about this stuff. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And revelation is the ability to see something before it happens, right? So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, I I want to use a paraphrased version of these two verses from the message. And I've talked about Eugene Peterson's book before. Sometimes it just gives us the ability to see clearly or more clearly what scripture is trying to teach us. And, And I love how Eugene writes it. He says, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life he has for his followers now what i read in this prayer that paul gives is four distinct steps of the vision that he is revealing to the church And I want to break that down for you this morning. So if you're taking notes, the first step that we want to acknowledge is that Paul says, I I pray that you know God personally. I love that. That you are to know God. Now, I, I know that sounds very elementary, but I just want to take a moment to tell you there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. And you may meet some people on this planet that know a lot about God, yet they don't know God. Jesus said this can actually happen. In Matthew chapter 7, this is Jesus' words. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will, say, I, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Isn't that crazy to kind of go through all the motions and do all the churchy Christian things that you're supposed to do and yet at the end of the day have no clue who God is? I've met people all my life as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. They know a lot about God, but they don't know him. And to me, I've met people too that know a lot about, say, a a professional sports star. They they can tell you facts about them, stats about them, and and they'll they'll tell you all about their personal lives. Have you ever met somebody that they're just all into maybe the the Hollywood gossip and they'll tell you all the latest happenings of the latest celebrities and and they'll tell you all of the stuff about the background of a singer? I mean, they know a lot of facts about somebody. I mean, they become a walking Wikipedia for that person. Have you met somebody like that? You're just like, man, you just know a little too much about that dude. Like, that's like stalker status. I've met some people like that going, I know you, you like them, but 
this is getting a little spooky. Like, you know too much about them. See, God wants you to know him, not stalk him. Can I just say, God wants you, see, you can have verses memorized. You can know all kinds of historical facts about God. And God's like, that's all good. And I don't want to take anything away from, from you knowing about God because that's important. But the whole reason you know about God is a purpose and intention for you to know God. Because if you know about God without ever knowing God, you've missed the point. God wants you to know him. God wants a relationship with you. He, he wants to know you personally. We really call it experiencing God. Because when you start knowing God personally, God begins moving in your life in such a way that he's real to you. I mean, yes, you have the Bible to confirm things that he's doing, but, but God is real to you. You see him actively moving throughout every little detail of your life. We like to call him here God winks. Where, have you had a moment this last week where you're just like, whoa, this is not a coincidence. Like you just like, God wink, right? We call them God stories. Where you're just like, it's undeniable. This could not have been orchestrated by me or any human being. This was a supernatural moment that God did. I had a moment up there at the bro down or the, uh, the, the, the men's retreat. I call it the bro down. But I, I had an appointment with a guy, and I'm like, dude, like, this was supposed to happen. And he starts totally weeping, and God's presence was there. And that's the kind of relationship God wants with you. And I believe this is one of the reasons that God brought us to this valley, is that God wants to do an awakening that there are a lot of people in this valley that know a lot about him, but there is a remnant that know him. And God says, I want to wake my people up and I want a true, authentic relationship where they begin experiencing me in their marriages, in their families, in their health, in their jobs, in their neighborhoods, in their community. I want people to know me. That's what he's after. As you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about it. I, I have to say that we as a church believe in this so much that if, if you were to take what we do as a church and, and put it into one sentence, that's hard to do. Some of you that own businesses, you remember this in the 90s, they're like, what's your mission statement? And you went to these workshops all day, like, what is our mission? But, but if we were to like summarize us as a church, what we're all about, I, I would say it this way. I would say it's leading people and experiencing God by following Jesus. That would be the clearest way I could tell you what we're all about as a church. That yeah, we're we're gonna gather on Sunday mornings and we're gonna we're gonna learn about God, but it's for a purpose, so that you may know God personally. So you when you walk out of here, you're knowing that God is going with you. That, that he's going to be with you when you go to lunch. He's gonna be with you when you go home. He's gonna be with you when you go to work. And there's going to be an active experience that you are having with him all the time. Now, our Sunday mornings, this is where we really emphasize the knowing God aspect of the vision that God is given through the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, but really to the church in Thousand Oaks. Like, we want to create an atmosphere, pun intended, all right? We want to create an atmosphere where when people come in here, they will know that God is here. 
and they will experience him. They will experience him in the music. They will experience him in the word and they will experience him in the way they get loved on by the people that are part of the family. And when people leave this place, they're gonna say, wow, God was in that place. And I, I, I actually felt him. That, that's the kind of church gathering that we wanna be able to see happen. Now, I, I'm amazed that we are only a year old and we were able to start in this amazing, beautiful complex. I, I mean, the first time when you guys came, you're like, really? The church is at the golf course? How many did that? You're like, that's kind of weird. But then you walked in, you're like, oh, I get it. This is pretty cool. And oh, I get the oh, atmosphere church. I get it. Yeah, but you know, we named the church before we had the building. Come on. There was something prophetic. Because let me tell you something that you may not know. When Tara and I really felt the calling of God to come here, we, we kind of like went to school to find out like, how do you just start a church? Like, where should you go? We went to movie theaters and we went to school. Schools are a really great place to start churches. And so we went to like four different schools in the area. And, and we, you know, visited principals, we visited faculty, and, and we we're like, hey, we want to start a church. And, and the whole time, every time we got the kind of same response, like, oh, okay, and, and we'll, you know, we'll think about it, we'll pray about it. And, and either we got a no with a follow-up email, or we just never heard back from them. And, and I mean, some of the schools were, were okay, but there's some schools here that are pretty old. I'm just going to say that. They're pretty old. They probably need some renovation. And some of the, I'm not even kidding you, some of the schools are still using the original metal folding chairs that they had when the school opened in the 60s. So something needs to be done to give our schools more funding because that's crazy. And so I'm sitting there going, we're being told no by a school that, I mean, I I would struggle because I'm coming from this church that we've been leading in Vegas. And and I mean, it was a great building, a shoe store that we saw God renovate into this beautiful church. And I'm going, really, God, I got to go into the school. And it's like, okay, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. Uh, But but Lord, maybe maybe there's something else. I don't know. Help us. And the schools would tell us no. By the fourth no, you could probably understand I was pretty discouraged. And I, I was having conversations with my wife going, I don't know, babe. Like, we can't even get a dilapidated school to tell us yes. Like, this is not, I don't know, this is not looking like it's going to happen. And then somebody came to our life group on Thursday night at the hotel when we were gathering on Thursdays for a Bible study. And they said, have you thought about the golf course? And we said, no, we didn't, we didn't know about the golf course. And so we came over here and we prayed over it. And I was like, okay, this, this could work but this is too nice. It's going to be too expensive and they're not going to have the, the time for us. And so I met with the events coordinator and she said, oh, you know, I'll cut you a deal because let me tell you, Sunday mornings are like the only time we really don't use this space. So a church would actually work out really, really well. We would love to have you. I go, are you kidding me? Is this really happening? <laughs> so I don't know, maybe you're here this morning and you've been really frustrated because you've been getting a lot of no's in your life. Just know that when God is leading your life, Rejoice over the no because he's got a yes for you that's way better than anything that you're asking for. Can you receive that word this morning? That's what happened, so here we are. Thank you, God. (laughs) 
But here's our dilemma as, as we kind of get this idea and we're just like, we want people to know God. Guess what we're finding out? That there are people in this valley that are hungry to know God. And so you guys keep inviting your friends and your family and we're like, whoa, what's God doing? So are we gonna do a third service? Okay, all right, yeah, God, we could do that. Are we gonna do a fourth? So, so we are realizing that our... Our uh, limitations here are a reality. And so we've been praying as a church leadership about the next step for us as a church. And, and so we've been thinking about it and we got so audacious last week that we actually found a building that was vacant and we went and did prayer walks around the building. And I mean, old school, Old Testament, we were there laying hands on the building and saying, God, give us this building because I believe that we have a generous God that giving a building to us is nothing for him. But you have not because you ask not. And so I'm like, God, you know, my leader's like, let's go do this thing. And, and so we're believing that God is going to give us a building. We believe that. But the other reality set in is like, once we get a building, there's gonna be some costs, some renovation costs, and we're gonna to have to put stuff in the building. And, and uh, so not only are we praying for that building, and I'll tell you, you know, the group in our church that's praying for us to have a building more than anybody is our set up teardown crew. <laughs> like, please, Lord, we're gonna fast. We're gonna spend 40 days in the desert if we need to. But, but we, we honestly feel like God could deliver us a building tomorrow. We feel the urgency. We feel that it's, it's, it's soon, that the need is soon because I've got three services in me to preach and the band has got it in them to do three services. But let me tell you something that I see God doing, that, that there's an exponential factor that is setting in and settling in with this church. And it, 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 it's even been a prophetic word that's given to us that, that we're gonna experience fast growth. And we're already seeing that. So what we have to do is we have to position ourselves with the reality that once we get that building, there's gonna be costs involved. And, and some of you that have been with me from the very beginning, you know that finances are a very sensitive subject for me. And, and I hate talking about them. And, and I just know that as you trust Jesus, that giving and generosity is gonna be an outflow of the inflow, that you're gonna become more generous as Jesus becomes more generous with you. I, I believe that you don't need a preacher to beat you over the head every week saying, you gotta tie that money. You gotta give a little bit. I don't wanna be that guy, all right? Do you feel my heart? I, I don't wanna be that guy. But at the same time, you guys, we're a family. This is like a family talk. You guys have to realize that there are costs involved in, in this next step. And so what we prayed about as a leadership team is we want to create an opportunity fund that, you know, there's operating costs and all of the giving that you guys give on a regular basis is covering everything. We are a church with no need, honestly. And, and I say that to for those of you that are being generous, like, I don't need to give, they don't need it. No, you keep giving in Jesus' name. Keep giving. But we're talking about something extra. We're talking about like Old Testament where, where you give a little bit more than the required tithe or whatever you want to call it and say, I, I want to give to this fund because here's what we feel happening in the spirit. That a building is going to be given to us and we want to be ready when it's given. And wouldn't it be cool if we had this fund and we had like $500,000 saved up in this fund and a building popped up and we're like, oh, here's the building for you. And, and we're like, cool, we have the money for it. We're ready for it. 
Now, I'm not saying and dismissing the fact that God can give us that building, but a $500,000 opportunity fund goes fast. When you start furnishing that place and having to do improvements to that place, it goes fast. Some of you know, like, that's a half a million dollars. It goes fast commercially. You just talk to some of the commercial uh, contractors in here, and that's nothing. I mean, I, I could tell you stories in here about churches that spent $80 million on one building for their church. I mean, that's just crazy. I would never do that. So 500,000 is not anything that, that is um, outrageously expensive um, or, or a goal that we can't achieve. I think that's a very achievable goal this year. So starting tomorrow on our website, you're gonna be able to give not just to the general fund, you're gonna be able to give to the opportunity fund. And the opportunity fund is specifically there so that you can help us meet the goal. So when the promise is delivered and the building comes, we will have the money to be able to move into that building the next day. Are you guys tracking with me? I, I, we really feel like that's part of it. And, and why, why do we want a building? Is it because you don't wanna set up a teardown? No, it's because we want a facility that we can really allow people to experience God, that is there full time and that we can do it with excellence. Sometimes it's hard to do the services with excellence when you're setting up and tearing down and you're mobile. And we, we pull TVs out and they're broken. We, we uh, go to grab something and it's gone. And, and so this stuff kind of happens. And so having our own building would be the, the, the perfect next step for us as a church. But that's knowing God. But the second part of this thing that I think is awesome is that he says that we're to find freedom. And he says, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to. Eyes focused and clear. See, what happens is we live our lives in such a way that we get stuff lodged inside of our hearts. And the eyes of our heart get totally fogged up because of all these things that life has done to us, hurts, habits, and hangups that have just found their way into our soul. And, and now all of a sudden we don't have the clarity to know what it is that God is leading us to because we have all of this junk that is piled up inside of us. And so God wants to make your eyes focused and clear so that you can see what he's up to. In other words, he wants to heal you from the inside out. He wants to touch those wounds that are deep inside of you with the healing hope of heaven and bring you out of that so you can have a clarity and know that God is up to great things for your future. Some of you have a hard time believing that God has great things for you because you're so entrenched in the hurts of your past. And so we, we want to position ourselves as a church to help you find freedom so that you can have the eyes of your heart cleared to see the picture of what is possible for your future. And how do we do that as a church? We do life groups. Say, so how, how do life groups help me find freedom? See, what we've learned and what I've learned personally as a pastor over these 30 years that I've been a pastor is that life change happens in services like this in rows, but life change happens best when we're in circles. In other words, when you go into somebody's living room and you start building relational equity with a person and you start getting to know their story and something in their story resonates with you and you're like, wow, that's my story. 
And then there is this like conversation that takes place. Maybe not even in the life group. Maybe it's at Starbucks during the week that you guys decide to go offline on a subject that you were talking about at life group. But I have seen more people find and experience freedom in a life group than I have in church services. Because when you start letting people on the inside of those hurts and those habits and hangups, there's freedom. Because what the devil does is he poisons us by telling us to keep those things in the dark. And we don't expose those things. Those things stay there festering and become toxic. And we can't really see what God is up to. So one of the most powerful things somebody can say to me in a conversation that I have with them is, I've never told anyone this. And then they proceed to tell me something. I, I mean, I, I've learned when somebody starts a sentence with me like that, I just like, whoa, whoa. I need to like get ready because what you're about ready to tell me is gonna give you breakthrough. Because you just confessing it and getting it out is gonna bring healing to your soul. This is biblical, James 5, 16. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what church? So you may be healed. There's another scripture in 1 John that says, when we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But it says here, when we confess to one another, we're healed. It's one thing to be forgiven by God for your sins. It's a whole nother thing to be healed on the inside. And it says, when, we, when we're in a position to share those hurts, habits, and hangups with another human being that we trust, there's breakthrough that takes place. Because now you have a battle buddy to face that issue with. You're not in it by yourself. This is why the heartbeat of our church is life groups. I celebrate that you show up on Sunday morning, but I am your fan when I find out that you're in a life group. I'm like, great job, because this is where you're gonna start getting a real clear picture of what God is up to for your future because your eyes are gonna become so much clearer when you're sitting in that circle. How many of you that are in a life group can attest to what I'm saying? Give me an amen. amen. All right. So if you're not in a life group, see Jennifer before you leave because we're about ready to fire up a new season. Third, let, let me say this before I go to three. You can't see tomorrow until you settle yesterday. Oh, that's good. You, you can't see tomorrow until you settle yesterday. Life groups is where it's at. Here's third discover purpose. There's a calling on your life. Matter of fact, I will say it this way. The two biggest days of your life are number one, the day you were born. And number two, the day you discover why you were born. You're here for a reason. And a lot of people don't even understand that. Maybe even they're listening to a lie that tells them that they're an accident and that they are a mistake. And let me tell you something about God and his creation there's never an accident and there's never a mistake. You are a creation of God. You're, you're created in the image of God and you're somebody that Christ died for. Matter of fact, Ephesians goes on to say this in Ephesians 2 verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God, when he was forming you in your mother's womb, he's like, oh, I got big plans for him. Oh, I got big plans for her. Oh, I can't wait to see it. In your mother's womb, he was dreaming about what your life was going to be like. 
you have to grasp this, that God has a purpose for your life. And how do we do that here as a church to help you discover what that purpose is? We do a thing called Start Class, and we haven't done one in a few months, and it's primarily because of a building issue. We don't have a building to meet in on a regular basis. But the start class is really good because we get into these personality assessments and spiritual gift tests, and we're really able to help you clarify who you are and the, and the unique ways that God has shaped your life. And that you discovering that shape helps you discover your purpose. And so I'm happy to tell you that within our budget, we figured out a way to rent a little office space while we're in this in-between time of getting a building. And what's crazy about this office space is not only is it within our budget right now, what's crazy about it is it's right here as you drive into the golf course. I have a picture of it right here. Boom, there it is. That, that is the complex, 25 West Rolling Oaks. There, there's the turn-in right there. So in two weeks, they told me this building will be ready for us to have our first start class. I'll be able to have a, a personal office where if you have a marital issue, I don't have to counsel you and your spouse at the 507 cafe anymore because that could be awkward. You're like, ah, I'm like, I oh, know it's not the coffee. It's, it's something else, you know. This way we can have some privacy. We can, we can do a lot of things. We can have a prayer meeting there. We, I mean, we're, we're gonna have multiple uses for this building. And not only that, uh, for the chairs like Man Cave and Women's Ministry, our Bakersfield campus, I said, hey, do you have some extra chairs? They're like, you can have as many chairs as you want. We're gonna, we're gonna help supply that little office space so you guys can have a small group gathering area. So Atmosphere Church, our baby step to the next step is an office complex right there at uh, 25 West Rolling Oaks Drive. We're going somewhere. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere. Here's the fourth step, and I gotta, I gotta wrap things up, is we want to make a difference. I mean, it's right here, guys, in Ephesians. It says, to, uh, it says so that you can see exactly what his calling is for you to do, grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for his followers. There is a glorious way of life that he has for you. And it is going to be involved with you making a difference to another human being. The most valuable thing on this planet is another human being. That's God's economy. And so God has wired you internally to make a difference and you become fully alive when you start paying attention to the way God wants you to be used to make a difference in somebody else's life. We believe that every person that attends our church is a minister. You're a minister. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're a minister. Everybody's a minister. You know what? Every person is a 10 in some area. In other words, you are amazing at something. We know it. It might be your trade. It might be your gifting. You're just amazing at something. And we also believe that every task is important. Do you know it takes about 100 volunteers every time we gather on Sunday to pull this off? It's kind of like, you know, a family has a chore list. Everybody kind of does something on the chore list so that we can live together in a healthy way as a family. Our, our chore list is surf teams. But you know what the great side benefit of being on a surf team? Not only are we able to give an excellent gathering on Sunday mornings, but that when you step into a surf team, you actually start experiencing God more in your life. 
you start having more God winks because you're more available for God to do things through. And it's as simple as maybe sign up for Atmosphere Kids, signing up for the Setup and Teardown crew, signing up and saying, I want to be a guest services person to hug people like Scotty is when they come in, or, or I, I want to just be a part of the worship team. I, I want to be a part of the youth. I mean, there is a place for you to step up and start making a difference in other people's lives here, but we don't want it to just stay there. We want to make a difference in our community. And, and this may be really raw, and this may be really kind of like over the top for you, but we want to love the hell out of people. <laughs> Can I say that? Yeah. Can a pastor say that? I just did. Because people are going through hell. And we want to be the love buckets of heaven to be poured out on these hurting people. But guess what? In order for us to do this effectively, we have to go where they're at and not wait for them to come where we're at. So we believe in outreach teams. And we want to serve our community and we want to serve them with excellence. We want to serve them with the love of Jesus. And so how do we do that? We do serve days twice a year. And we have one coming up. I know it sounds far away, but it's not. Trust me, it's not. My daughter was listening to Christmas music yesterday. Christmas is around the corner, according to Mackenzie Cruz. But October 26th is our next serve day. We take a Saturday and we, we take some time out and we just say, hey, this is what we're doing. We're going to do about five or six projects around our community and we're going to love our community well. And so uh, Amy's here. She's our uh, outreach team captain. And so it's beautiful what God is putting together. We're going to do a block party for an apartment complex around here. And we're going to love some neighbors and say, we don't have any other interests other than letting you experience the love of God through us and just leave it there. We, uh, come on, we're bringing a concert to our community four days before the anniversary of the borderline shooting and say, wow, you know, that's really good that you guys thought about that. Now, that was orchestrated by God. They called me on that date. And I, and I told the tour manager, I go, do you realize that's four days away from the borderline shooting anniversary? They said, we had no idea. See, God is more interested in healing this community than even we are. He says, I want to do an outpouring and I'm waiting for a church to step up and be willing to leave the walls of the church in order for me to do the outpouring I want to do. And I'm like, here we are, send us. And God says, okay, you're in charge of the concert. <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. Listen to what the Bible tells us. And I know I'm in, I'm in overtime. Are you guys okay? All right, all right. All right. I know you're hungry. I can hear your stomachs from here. I know it. Um, but just tell the restaurant that the, the speaker was too long. Okay, Isaiah 58. I, I have to end by reading this. I, I would beat myself up all afternoon if I left this off. Because as life groups are the heartbeat of our church, this is, this is really the soul of our church. It says, if you feed those who are hungry and take care of the needs of those who are troubled then your light will shine in the darkness and you will be bright like sunshine at noon. The Lord will always lead you. He will satisfy your needs in dry lands and give you strength in your bones. You will be like a garden that has much water, like a spring that never runs dry. This is a prophetic word, not for our church. This is a prophetic word for your life. This is what God wants to produce with your life. Some of you feel like you're in a dry season and what God is telling us is that when we 
take our eyes off ourselves and we start going out of our way to help hungry and hurting and troubled people, then God will take care of us and give us everything that we need for our troubles. There's another proverb that says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That, that when we start putting our focus on these people in our community that are hurting, that are hungry, that are troubled, God says, I will take care of you as a church. Guys, I've seen this in our Bakersfield church. You know, our Bakersfield church has over 10,000 members. I remember when it was 700. You know what the, what the catalyst was to that becoming the church size that it is? And I'm not into church size and go, oh, he just wants a big church. That's not what I'm after. I'm after people that are hungry for Jesus. And, and when, when we're sincere about that, people just come. But you know what the difference was? You know what the growth came from? It came from our church saying, we're gonna make Isaiah 58 the soul of who we are as a church. And God said, yes and amen. I'm sending more reinforcements because this is my heart. This is God's heart. This isn't Jim's heart. This isn't Amy's heart. This isn't Atmosphere's heart. This is God's heart. Does that make sense? So not only are we doing serve days, I have another crazy idea. Is As I visited Vegas a couple of weeks ago, of course, my heart is still with those members in, in that church. They're my family. I saw a bunch of the men up at the men's retreat. And when we were there a couple weeks ago, they told me that their feeding line that they, they do, they give out free groceries at the back of the church every Saturday. It, it, in the last year, it's grown from 200 people every Saturday to over 600. And that church has got a lot of volunteers, but man, they are, you know, like always needing more volunteers. And I, and I thought, I go, whoa, I had this idea when we first were thinking about like starting this new church plant in Thousand Oaks. God, would you be doing this to help the Vegas church and like send in reinforcements to, to help them because they're an urban church. And so when I was back there a couple weeks ago, I told my wife, I said, can you envision like us sending like a, a van or like a little mini bus to Vegas like twice a year, like a Friday to a Sunday. And then we could do like ministry all day Saturday and then come to church on Sunday and, and then go hit a buffet before we get on the road and head back to Thousand Oaks. <laughs> We have to hit a buffet because it's biblical. It says you have to buffet your body, all right? So that's, that's biblical. So, but can you, Tara goes, oh, I could see that. Can you guys, I mean, can you imagine going to work on Monday going, yeah, I've been in Vegas all week. And they're like, oh, right, you have a hangover. You're like, yeah, man, from feeding people, from ministering to people, going to church. And wow, it was incredible. Like you, you'd be a strange person at the work going, what? You go to Vegas to see God move? Yeah, what better place to see God move than Sin City? Come on. Come on. So are you, would you, how many would be down with an idea like that? Go, I'll go to Vegas for a weekend. Yeah. All right. So these are just ideas. But I believe there's going to be all kinds of outreach ministries birthed from this church. I believe the serve days are going to inspire people to be leaders and say, I want to do this once a month. And, and I don't wanna just limit the outreach that we do to twice a year. I believe that by stepping out, some of you guys are gonna get so charged up and passionate that you're gonna say, you know what? I've gotta do this all the time. And, and when you come to me and tell me that, I'm gonna be like, all right, bro. All right, sis, I'm behind you. Let's do this. Worship team, come up. I'm way over time. Um, but can you see how passionate I am about this? I, I tell you, uh, and, and I know it might be offensive to some of you, but I know some of you are like, what are the tattoos on his arm? And, and I'm just gonna tell you, this one right here is Hebrew for a vision. Because when God gave me that word back in 2008, 
and I began leading a community in Vegas, God said, Jim, you always have to remember the vision I've given you, and that vision will help direct you and get you to where I want you to be. Vision is essential, not just for us as a church, but it's essential for you personally to get you to the place that God has destined you to be. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.